Welcome to another episode of the Compassionate Marketing Podcast. Today, we're going to dig into all the things that every business owner needs to know, like time management, productivity, how to get your life together if you're a hot mess, right? So <laughs> we have an amazing guest today who just specializes in all of these incredible things. Her name is Michelle Galloway. I used to work with her, funny enough at a publishing house years ago, and we reconnected as entrepreneurs. She has all these fun games. She loves the Real Housewives and just does so many amazing fun things in her business. So I'm excited to dig into all of these and just get to know you and let everyone else get to know you a little bit more. So welcome, Michelle. Hi, my name is Justine Beauregard, and I've been a marketer and sales trainer since 2008. I'm also the founder of Compassionate Marketing, and I'm committed to delivering you fresh perspectives about branding, marketing, and selling that will change how you do business for the better. Each week, you'll be given tips, strategies, insights, and interviews that leave you feeling clear on your next steps and your simplest path to success as an entrepreneur. Let's dive right into this week's episode. You're listening to the Compassionate Marketing Podcast. Thank you, Justine. Yeah, it is funny that we, because we randomly met through online networking. I, re, I know you were one of the yes. few people that like shared value and you didn't harass me. Oh, and I was like, oh, who's this unicorn? <laughs> Who is this? And then we connected and finding out that we work for the same company when you live on the other side of the country was so wild to me. So it's yeah. so fun. So fun. So tell us like your background, because you did work there for a long time and then you got into your own business and you started life coaching and then time management coaching and you've just gotten better and better at what you do. So like, how did all of it start? So I worked for that company for 25 years, like right out of high school. And I worked with a life coach that really helped me change my life. For me, it was specifically the relationship with my mom, which I did not think was fixable. And I like flipped it upside down. And so I was like, oh, this is interesting. That's and the company got bought out by a private equity firm. And I was like, holy shit, I don't have a plan B. I literally have not put a resume together since I had my sonic drive-in skills. Yeah. And and the school that that coach got certified through open online certification. And so I said, well, worst case scenario, I master all these skills personally. Best case, I have a plan if they fire me or lay me off. Yeah. And I ended up falling in love with it. And time management has always been my geeky space. And so I kind of merged those two together and I ended up quitting. I walked away, no paying clients. Yeah. I'm single. It was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. And also and the, the most best. epic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The best. Such, such a fun thing. Yeah. So time management is not my strong suit. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we have to train ourselves. Like it's one of those skills that some people like you probably have something in your DNA that allows you to think very analytically and like put mm -hmm. the pieces together in such a way that it just works for you. Yeah. My experience and a lot of my clients and people I come across who are entrepreneurs are terrible at this. Like we yeah. are yeah. struggling, we're trying to figure it out. And eventually everyone kind of lands on something that works for them. Even most of the time, I feel like it's probably not ideal because we're not trained in this. There's no school, there's no classes that teach you like how to manage your time properly, which I think there should be. But tell yeah. us like, what are the core elements or like some of the things that you find people really struggle with and how you've decided like to look at that in a different way? 
Yeah, it's interesting. And I'm at the point now where when I sign a new client, they'll show me their calendar and kind of tell me what they're going through. And I immediately know the mindset problem, like they're a perfectionist or they yeah. put themselves last or they're trying to do, they have a bunch of shoulds on their calendar that they don't actually want to do. And they're trying to force themselves to do those. So yeah. I think of all the different things I encounter, there are a few. One strategy is when you schedule things on your calendar, enter the completion action that you're going to accomplish. So a lot of people will say work on proposal from nine to 10. You want it to be super specific, like complete an email proposal in this block. And so that right. way you can either say, I for sure did this or I didn't. That's one thing. Like be honest with yourself about what you're trying to accomplish. Like yes. what is the end game? Why, why are you doing this? What's the outcome you're going for? And if you hate it, find another way to create the same outcome because life is too short to force yourself to do all these things you hate. And so many people try, so many people try. Do you work mostly with women? A hundred percent. Exclusively with women. Yeah. I, was... I tried to work with men and I'm telling <laughs> you, it did not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what's so interesting is this is a classic kind of feminine role of supporting others, putting ourselves last, you know, like, yes. Yeah. Do agreeing to do things to appease others like those seem like very common characteristics of females that in my mm -hmm. experience and I'm definitely yeah. not a psychologist but I think that what the two things you're talking about are really like the antithesis of fear because when people are afraid of what other people think they become a perfectionist they agree to things they don't want to do they break their own boundaries 100% and then on the other side, it's they're afraid of success or failure. So they don't want to put send proposal by 10 because it feels good to say work on it and leave it open-ended. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And this was something I started doing when I first launched my business. It's my favorite tip to give to especially new business owners. Schedule a one-hour time block on your calendar every workday. Label it with the puke emoji. And during that hour, you do the thing you despise doing, but know you need to. Because in the beginning, everything feels awful and scary as hell, like yeah. writing content, making an offer. Right. And really condition yourself first thing every morning, just rip the Band-Aid off, do the sucky thing, get it over with. And you immediately feel better Yeah. rather than letting like that fear, that fear run you. Oh, that's so good. And don't you have some sort of like wheel of puke things that you let people like spin the wheel and just pick the thing that's going to make you puke today? <laughs> what yeah, is that there's, like? there's a website. I think I actually learned about it from you. Wheel of wheel Names? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. it's Wheel of Names. It's free. You can go in there. Like if you're brand new in your business and you're like, oh my God, I need to work on my website. I need to work on content. I have to figure out my elevator pitch, like list all the pukey things you need to do add them to this wheel, spin the wheel and do whatever comes up. Start small, like for 15 minutes, yeah. spin it again, move on and just make it fun. Cause it can, it can be fun, even though it sucks. <laughs> I love that. I love how you weave the fun into the pukey things because it's yeah. really hard for people to like wrap their brain around. Okay. I've got to do this for an hour. Like that feels really hard, but you're like, no, it's a game. It's fun. You just put it in the wheel, you spin it, you do the thing and then you move on. Like no big deal. It's like, just yeah, life. and and the fun thing that happens with that approach is you continually do pukey things. They're just caused by bigger actions. Like in the beginning, yeah. sending a blog, writing a blog felt like 
I was French kissing a stranger on a big screen somewhere. It was so <laughs> vulnerable and crazy. And I would call my mom and go, oh my God, can you read this and tell me? What do you think? Does this sound stupid? Yeah. It would be like a whole day ordeal. Now it's like creating a new program might make me feel that puke. I just continually level up my capacity yes. for pukeness. <laughs> so do, I'm assuming that you do, but like, I love doing evaluations in my business and with my clients, like, where yeah. were you when you started? Where are you now? So how often do you check in with them and say, all right, you've done a lot of pukey things. Like now let's gauge, like you started off your pukey thing was writing a post for Instagram, which is like baseline, like could take you as little as two seconds to do that thing versus now you're like designing and launching an entirely new program. Like what a shift between those yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. long does it usually take? And do you do those within a certain time frame usually? It's not super specific. It's it's interesting. My the way I approach my coaching with my clients is a hundred percent custom to them and what they're going through. Yeah. Some of them come in and in three months are like, oh my God, I'm good. I'm gonna go put this into the world and I'll come back and we'll work on whatever. I have one client that I've worked with for two years since I launched my she was my first paying client. When we wow. first started working together, Charging more than $200 for her services made her want to stab herself, puke, <laughs> fork in an outlet. She couldn't handle it. She would literally sweat. Yeah. And she just sold everything she owns and is living all over the U.S. in Airbnbs, like going wherever the hell she feels like going. That's amazing. And I'm like, so What fun. a transition. So fun. I know. <laughs> is that your favorite? Is that your favorite like transformational story with a client? It's either her or another girl that I worked with that was so defensive. She had had a lot of like childhood trauma that she had processed and stuff. But, you know, when people are so terrified of getting hurt, they, they show up really defensive in life. Yeah. And anytime someone says or does something, they immediately get defensive and lash out. She was very much in that space. And now she is like a fucking boss. It is. She'll come to a session and say, well, this woman totally attacked me on a stage in front of people. And I just walked up to her calmly and I handled it. And I think for her, her, her transformation makes me want to cry because yeah, she went from such a scared, fearful place to being a complete powerhouse now, like internally as well, not just externally. So, you know, I'm all about compassion. That's mm -hmm. a big cornerstone of my brand. And when I hear you talking about that, I just think like, so many people must have very kind of trigger events or like these past traumas that they've gone through to get them to the point where they're afraid of succeeding. They're afraid of what people think. They're afraid, afraid, afraid. They walk through life just constantly feeling judged and not being seen and being overlooked and all of these different things. Like, how do you help them navigate such a challenging aspect of their life that feels so sensitive to kind of like hold them and hear them and feel them and be with them, but also move them from where they are to where they need to be? It's a great question. And it's interesting. You wouldn't connect time management with that, but I get to really understand how someone feels about who they are in the world by the way they choose to spend their time. Yeah. And, and so I'll notice, like I have a client now where she very much feels invisible. People always look past her to other people. She is a key opinion leader in her industry, but she would never say that. She just can't see it. Yeah. And so I get to, I recognize it's happening with the way she's managing her time. And like you said, I do firmly believe that we all have sleeping lions inside of us that are those big trigger fears, whether it's a lack of money, a lack of worth. And when different things happen, 
it triggers that wakes the sleeping lion and they completely lose their shit. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I just went through this personally. I have a lot of money drama and I went through this personally. It was interesting because I was like, oh, this is what my clients go through. And it had been a while since I had woke my sleeping lion. And so it was really interesting at this level in my career to experience it that way. But first it's awareness. A lot of them don't even realize it. Yeah. They don't, they can't see it. So first I shine a light on it and show them what they're doing and the results that is creating for them in their life. And then we get to know that side of them with compassion, not the frustration and let's stifle it. Let's listen to it, learn from it, love it and work through it. It's so interesting. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Reflecting back on, so I have a one-on-one client who's an interior designer and she's like, Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things to do is highlight the flaws of a home. Like I'll walk into the home and they'll say, oh, I hate this fireplace. I hate this room. It's not, it's not symmetrical or this window has always bothered me or this one thing. And most designers will walk into a room and be like, you hate it. It's gone. Like, we'll get rid of it. We'll just like cover it up. We'll knock it down. We'll do whatever. And she's like, I take the opposite approach. I turn that into their most loved space in the home, which is like such a great, I mean, I hired her to redo my office and my downstairs. Like she'd have a field day with mine. And I'm thinking that is what it's like with a person whose schedule is like bonkers. And they're just looking at it going, my life is chaos. Nothing is working. Everything feels hard. And then you come in like a fairy godmother and you're just like, no, no, no it's okay. You've got this thing. That's your pukey thing that goes in this bucket. And then this is your other thing. And that goes over here. And it's like, you almost get one of the most intimate views of a person through their schedule. It is so fascinating. It's so fascinating. And for me, I'll go back every now and then I'll go back a year and look at my schedule and I will see how much I've evolved as a person based on what I was working on back then versus now. It's so interesting. And I have my clients do that from time to time. I'll randomly email them. And now I'm like working on time management with human design factored in. And I don't know if you've really looked into human design yet, have you? A little bit. Yeah. I'm a 6-2 manifesting generator. Generator. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a 5-1 manifesting generator. But it's interesting because based on the human design, which I've experimented with myself, I've been studying it pretty deeply for a long time and factored it in with several clients. It's been fascinating. But based on the human design idea, each type should and shouldn't do certain things as because we all have so much energy and each type has, there's a way your energy is best spent. And manifestors are the ones that can hustle, push through, have an idea, go pursue it, do all the heavy things. Manifesting generators should not do that. And so it was really challenging for me when I started studying human design, because I was like, oh, interesting there's a way I can create a new time management protocol that factors that in, but I still get to show up powerfully. And so that's been really fun. Yeah. I love that. I was thinking about that in terms of marketing, like personality types, you've got Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, you've got the human design chart, and then seeing how all of those show up, like in your personality, how you communicate with the world and what you think about yourself and the things that are like a sticking point for you. And I was talking to one of my clients yesterday about how these types show up with imposter syndrome and Mm. how they show up in terms of like how much you want to, you know, put yourself out there versus how much you want to create behind the scenes and like what you think and believe about your abilities or your expertise or your authority in a space. And it's, it is very interesting that those 
personality traits really impact like parts of our businesses in ways that a lot of people don't know about these personality tests or don't take them. Yeah, it's true. It's interesting. When I first started studying human design, I called that first client of mine that's living all over the U.S. now. And I said, hey, I'm kind of into human design. Do you mind if I study you outside of our sessions and do a deep dive? She's like, oh, yeah, do it. And it was so interesting. The first time I presented her information, she started sobbing because, and it was wild as a coach to go this, because all of the things we had been working on helping her change and evolve were part of her gifts. It was yeah. really fascinating. She loved the validation of like, oh, I'm not crazy. I, I am super stubborn. It's part of, but that also comes with some gifts. And so I think it, it helps give people permission to be who they are. Are you doing a course about this? Cause I feel like people need this. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's quite a few out there. I'm not um, I, I've thought about it and I might at some point, I don't know if I'm, if it would, I think it would be hard to make it generic enough and still useful enough for everyone. Maybe I could do like a, a different type specific course, like a course for manifesting generators. Yeah. Generators or even just like, like how that. your type shows up in terms of just time management. Yeah. Yeah. That could be really interesting. Really yeah. interesting. Cause I have a specific generator manifesting generator protocol that I'm using. I have several clients testing out and it's really freaking fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. And I it's a whole that. different ballgame. So it is, it's, it's fun. Are you loving this content? If you are, I can guarantee you're going to love the Compassionate Marketing Collective. In it, you'll get a library of marketing resources, live weekly calls, 24-7 access to feedback and guidance, peer-to-peer -peer accountability and support, and members-only events and trainings. You're going to love it in there. Visit growthmindsetmarketers.com today for details or click the link in the show notes. I'll see you inside. So what would you say is the biggest realization you've had as a business owner in terms of like how you're marketing yourself, branding yourself or selling what you have to offer? The biggest lesson I've learned? Yeah. The biggest lesson, the biggest realization, like you realize something about yourself that you don't like to do something, you do like to do something, something works really well for you or it doesn't. Like what was a, what was a pivotal point that you can remember about like how you bring your offers to the world. How I bring my offers to the world. Well, I for sure spent most of last year trying to force myself into containers that Ooh, interesting. other people told me was the best way to do it. Like I was part of a coach, a business coaching program, and they have a very specific protocol you're supposed to follow. I didn't like it. My intuition, I, I struggled with it a lot. I had to get coached on it a lot. I had to get coached on being uncoachable. Had, oh, it, it was crazy, but I kept trying to force it to work for me, like swimming against a current or walking in wet cement. It just felt awful and heavy, but yeah. I ignored my intuition the whole Why? time. I didn't realize I was. I thought I'm in this program, all these other women are saying how amazing it is and how this framework is so amazing. Why am I the only person having a freaking problem with this? Yeah. And I never once thought, oh, maybe because this isn't supposed to work for me. <laughs> I just assumed like, oh, I'm too stubborn or I'm too, too much of a know-it-all or oh, uncoachable. So interesting. Oh, it was really interesting. And, and some things came to light that made me realize like, oh, things aren't what they seem here. There's some yeah. little shadiness going on here. 
And, and so I kind of pulled back from that and gave myself like a three month hiatus where I didn't do anything, but I just focused on serving my clients and let everything rest. But I think the biggest lesson is like, if something continually doesn't work for me, it's possible that it shouldn't work for me and to explore that possibility rather than try to force it to work. What a good thought. This reminds yeah, me, interesting. yeah, I have young kids and they love the story of the emperor's new clothes. Mm. And this whole vibe of like, there's someone who's wandering naked down the street and everyone's afraid to say something. So no one does. And you are standing in the sidelines, like watching this happen. And you're like, I guess I'm not supposed to see, like, I guess I'm supposed to be seeing that he's in invisible clothes. Like everyone's kind of just playing along with the game until someone goes, dude, put your clothes on. Like, what are you doing? And then everyone's like, oh, that's not what's really going on here. It kind of feels like there's something to do with fitting in and the masses and believing that if everyone else is seeing it, then something's wrong with me, like self-blame and disbelief. A A creepy and a funny thing about that is when the curtain was lifted, so to speak, and we all got to see what was really going on and that we were all pretty pissed off at being it was just kind of hidden, it, very shady. Yeah. Anyway, people kept referencing the emperor has new clothes and I did not get the reference. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> until now. So now I know what the hell they meant by that. Yeah. But that's exactly how people described it, that were part of it. So it's interesting that you totally picked up on that. So what did you realize about yourself after doing all of those things? Like, no, this is actually my process. And how did you land on like what did work for you? How did you finally then know, all right, looking back, I felt weird in my body. I was tight. I was, you know, all these things were happening and I knew, okay, I I definitely was not listening to my intuition. How do you then validate like what is working and how you know it's good? And then like, what did you come to find? Yeah, it's still a process, right? So I kind of have like, for me personally, I have a couple of like, you could almost call it a mission statement. Oh yeah. I do things that light me up, that excite me. And if something bores me or frustrates me, I dig into it Mm. because there's the tricky part. There's two different types of frustration. There's the frustration that comes from trying to force something that isn't right for you. That one feels heavy swimming against the current. You just can't get anywhere as hard as you try. You're just not getting anywhere. Yeah. Then there's the frustration that comes before a breakthrough. That's like the frustration caused by human fear And what if it doesn't work? Like just kind of that primitive brain 101 stuff. And so I've really been able to recognize which frustration am I in? Is it because I've taken the wrong road or I just need to keep going a little further? Yeah. So what is one thing you're doing now that that program or group, whatever you were part of before, would never recommend that you do that you've decided it is part of my process and I'm doing it? I don't have revenue goals. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I don't. That's I'm a really business. interesting one. So why oh, did yeah. you choose that? Yeah. For me, I mean, obviously I need money because I'm single and I have bills, but <laughs> money isn't a big motivator for me. I, and I think that group was really good at manipulating, manipulative marketing. And, and so for me, I kind of fell into that and that's why I hated it. And that's why I didn't like it. And so I decided, and I might change it. And the biggest thing is I've given myself permission to change every week if I want to, whatever feels right to me, which is really fun. But I don't set money goals at all. I just trust that if I show up, do things that are in alignment for me of service, 
and take care of my clients the best of my ability, the rest will take care of itself. And it has that work. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, because I believe impact creates income inevitably, right? If you impact people's lives, you show up every day, you do one thing that's pukey and you know, you put yourself out there, then yeah, it's inevitable that you're going to land on it. If you're showing up doing the same thing, every single day expecting a different result, then that's the definition of insanity. You don't want to get trapped into that. But because you have this like built in agility and like self perception and challenging yourself and your beliefs and everything that you're doing and like constantly checking in and always making sure you're you're looking at your books. I mean, you're a business owner. You're not going to just work for a year and never check in on it. But releasing that like pressure, knowing that that is not a motivator for you, that's really empowering. Yeah, it's cool. And I do my own bookkeeping, which I'm very nerdy. And I really like that. I do it like once a month. So I for sure see the numbers. I have more spreadsheets than a one woman business needs because I'm a, (laughs) I am a spreadsheet junkie. (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely have a handle on all my numbers and where they are. I just Last year, it was very much, I had revenue goals per month, per week. And I would like, okay, where am I at? Am I going to hit it? What if I don't? And like analyzing what's working, what's not, and doing all that bullshit and wasting so much time and energy where now I'm just like, no, here's how I feel today. I have X amount of energy. I want to invest X percent of that energy into this project. And that's what I go do. It's so fun. Yeah, for sure. I talk about metrics this way a lot. I tell people that it's kind of like, you know, the easiest thing to relate business to in my mind is weight loss. Cause it's just, there's so many parallels between those two mm. industries. So like, if you're trying to lose five pounds in a short amount of time, then you want to weigh yourself every day because that's right. a very immediate result. You want to check in and make sure you're getting close to the goal. If you give yourself a very short time frame. but things like revenue you can measure that on a Monday and then close three clients on a Tuesday. And you look at those numbers and you feel massively deflated on Monday and like overwhelmingly <laughs> joyful on Tuesday. It's like totally your revenue goal is not something you should be tracking every single day. It's the same with followers. Like if I went on my Instagram account right now, I would probably find that I haven't gained any followers in the past 25 minutes. Right. And yeah. I could feel really defeated by that. But if I look at the month, it's always like 1800% growth month over month, like 182% more likes or whatever. Like there's these big numbers because it compounds over time and every day you're gaining and losing followers. And mm-hmm. if you're tracking that really closely, you're going to give yourself anxiety depending on the goal and what type of person you are. So it's really yeah. great that you're so attuned to like, I know that revenue is a motivator for some people. And that's mm-hmm. going to, if they look at those numbers, however often they're going to really be motivated by that. And they're really motivated by a Louis Vuitton bag. But for yeah. me, I'm motivated by doing what I love every single day, waking up, feeling happy, challenging myself. And the money just comes as a result mm-hmm. of me doing that and having full belief and confidence in your ability to create that result. It's so interesting thinking about like comparing it to weight loss, because it's funny if I look at my history with weight loss and my history with the revenue goals, they are very similar, all or none, very extreme. Yeah. (laughs) 1200 calories a day or I'm ordering pizza every night. And that is so interesting. Yeah. And so, and it's funny because now I'm working, I'm working on a framework of it's just, it's really exciting, but it's kind of like how you go from a, who you are now to a 2.0 version of you. Oh yeah. And it's really fascinating because 
it's like you gradually become the person who organically has that result rather than focusing on that result. You just focus on becoming her slowly to where mm -hmm. it's almost confusingly easy, which is what I'm doing with my money goals. I don't yeah. have the money goals. I'm focusing on becoming the person who doesn't need them. Right. If I love that. that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally so does. Fascinating. James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, focuses on this a lot. It's not just about making a million dollars. It's about becoming the person who is making the money. Like you embody mm. all the traits of the human being. And those are the atomic habits that you build. Like your future is not reliant upon your habits. It's about the habits that you create that allow you to create that future. Like you don't have a habit today that tells you what you're going to do in a year from now. You right. build the habits and become the person who just creates that result. Oh, that's interesting. It, it's interesting. It's a slight shift, but it's a big difference. Yeah. Um, I love the comparison to weight loss though. I'm going to have to like play with that in my head a little bit because it is interesting to think about it that way. I read something yesterday where someone said, your relationship with money is just like your relationship, the relationship, how you feel about money is how your mother felt about your father. Oh. And I was like, I was like, oh, let me think about that, which is interesting. My mom totally rejected my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am like, I don't even care about money. So I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. But a lot of people chimed in and said it was totally true for them. Yeah, it's interesting because I definitely have the the past you know, the rewiring that had to come into play around money and my thoughts about money growing up, not having a lot of it, having a single mom, all those circumstances where I saw and witnessed it kind of imprinted into me every Friday we would go out for dinner and it was our one night out. And my mom would always order a blueberry muffin and she would say, oh, it's just because I love blueberry muffins. And then later in life, she said to me, well, between you and your sister wanting to get food and ice cream, like I just couldn't afford anything more than a blueberry muffin. Oh, that and makes of me course, emotional. Yeah. Like, I mean, my mom is literally the most generous, kind, wonderful human yeah. being on the planet. But when I heard that, I was just like, wow, I guess I didn't realize like how much she sheltered me from all the trouble that she had with money. Like she was really mm. protective and growing up, she was always like, you can do anything you want to do and you can make as much money as you want to. And like, I want you to be independent. I want you to be empowered. And like, she's the reason, a big reason why I became an entrepreneur and it's her mom was an entrepreneur. And I always thought like, this was something that I was modeling after my grandmother, but really like my mom embodied, even though she's not an entrepreneur, she really embodied that entrepreneurial spirit. And like, took everything good from her mom and tried to give it to us kids because she knew she wouldn't have it. She didn't wow. want it. She would never go after it. So it's just really interesting to see how, you know, nature versus nurture. Like there's part of me that was always predisposed to be curious and want to sell things and market them. Like I've always done that. But then there's also like the heavy influence of people in my life and especially strong women who put me on that path. Have you noticed that in your life? Was there any person that kind of motivated you or? Oh, hell no. I know. <laughs> but almost no, that's the opposite, right? Like yeah, if you don't yeah, have yeah. it, you become it, right? right. Just like James yeah, yeah. says. Oh, that's interesting. So if you think of like 12 year old Justine. Yeah. What would she be most shocked about your life now? What would you, what would be the coolest thing to her if she could like look into the future and see your life? 
where I live, moving further and further north, like towards the mountains and having my peace, right? And Which then having- beautiful, yeah. I love where I live. I never thought I would live here. And then having my husband be home, like leaving his six-figure job to be home with the kids. This whole dynamic, like I think it's actually- the early stage of a massive shift where families are, especially with COVID, they're starting to realize like what really matters is being with the people that you love and care about and shifting into this space where you've already achieved it as well. Just like total freedom and joy mm -hmm. in your life of like, I'm going to focus on the things that matter. I'm going to do the things that I want to do. I'm not going to fill my calendar with random things that I don't like and that don't bring me joy. Like, why would I do that? I only have, as far as I know, this life to live. So why would I do things that I don't want to do and break my boundaries and feel like crap all day long? Like yeah. I just get to choose to be happy. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize and create companies and move into the space where they're just like having self-compassion for what mm. they want and loving themselves more and just doing the things that they want to do and making it work. Like it's so beautiful to see. Yeah. And I do think this younger generation coming up, they are going to have that on lockdown because yeah. I don't think they give a shit at all about going to work <laughs> in a cube and being a model employee and doing all that. I think that ship has sailed and I think it's really going to change the, the, the what, landscape of business in general yeah. because where people like us stayed in jobs because you mean to, you're supposed to, it's what you do. You work hard. You have great work ethic. 20 year old me would be like, who in the hell is this woman? <laughs> like <laughs> if 20 year old me could see me now, she'd be like, why aren't you working 60 hours a week? Okay. Um, I highly recommend the book Lynchpin by Seth Godin. Oh, that's funny. I think I added that to my cart recently. It's, okay. a, it's over a decade old, but this book talks about one of the first things that he starts with, which just blew my mind, was we have been brainwashed and scammed into believing that we are just workers in a giant wheel and like we're the cogs in the wheel and we have created an industrial revolution that has trained people to think like factory workers you go to school you listen to authority mm. figures you take the tests you fit in the mold that they design for you if you speak out of turn or if you have a unique opinion you get shut down because it's only about the rules of the game of like what people have created for you and it's the people who decide to be the linchpin that literally stop the wheel. They do the opposite of what's expected of them. Those are the people that stand out, that make billions mm. of dollars. Those are the Steve Jobs and the Elon Musks and like the big name people, the Oprah Winfrey's, like these beautiful examples of leadership that are like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think more people are starting to recognize their own power to be able to create their life by design and, and create more joy for themselves instead of just doing what people tell them to do. They're like, I'm going to question this. Like the emperor's new clothes. The person yeah. who is like, no, I don't agree. I have yeah. a different opinion and really owning that, like creating some real self-trust. Oh, it's so interesting. Yeah. It, and it's, I mean, I look at my old life I and I think of how easily I could have stayed in my old job out of fear, which I made amazing money. I fucking hated it though. Yeah. Hated that job. Um, and when I left that job, I was like, I cut my expenses by two thirds. I'm like, I'm going to live on a third of what I used to live on. And it was the easiest transition I've ever made. And I thought it would be the hardest, but it yeah. was because I wasn't spending money to try to make myself feel better. 
because it's like, no, now I have a life. I can do what I, I'm not forcing myself into this, this uh, mold. But it's going to be interesting to see what this younger generation does. It's going to be so fascinating to watch it play out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's so interesting how we find the things that we need when we need them at just the right time. Like I, I need two thirds of my budget back. Most people will be like, it's impossible. And then magically you find it, you create your own (laughs) career and then you have this amazing life. Like we just, we find the time. I'm sure you see that with a lot of your clients. Like I don't have the time to do this, that, or the other thing. And then you audit their calendar and you're like, you have so much time. Like, what are you talking about? I'm seeing all these blocks of time that you can create here. And they're just totally unaware because they're so used to their comfortable easy, like flowing life, even if they hate it. And once you just decide this isn't working, you can magically find all the pieces that make it work, but you've got to look for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It reminds me of a client and this is something else that comes up that is, I didn't expect is people hiding from their life in busyness and me seeing that on their calendar. And I remember when I first realized this, what it looked like. And I had a client that came to me super overwhelmed. She's like, I need so much help. And so I always have him create like this running list. And, and she, she came to our session so stressed out. And I was like, okay, what are you not getting done? And so we pull up her list and it was like deep clean underneath the sink, uh, (laughs) arranged silverware. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, and I was like, oh, are you, and I was genuinely confused. I was like, why are we so upset about this? And so we were exploring it and I asked her a bunch of questions and what came out eventually, I think it was a couple sessions is that she desperately wanted a divorce. And if she did not stay busy enough, she would think about it nonstop. So she would buffer and distract herself by this terrible marriage she was in by staying hyper busy, which was so interesting because she didn't even realize she was doing it. Is she divorced now? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And happier than she could ever be. But it was interesting because she didn't realize that I couldn't understand why she felt so bad about silverware. (laughs) And uh, you're like, wait, you have to arrange your silverware 14 times a day. Yeah. I was like, God, I, have I ever cleaned out underneath my sink? And I've lived here 10 years. Um, Oh, that's so funny. It was interesting to see that time can also be smoke and mirrors for them to hide out from their own life. And that has been really fascinating, fascinating stuff. Yep. Yep. I'll give one more example and then we're going to close out, which is one of my clients uh, was having trouble finding time for all the discovery calls she was having. Mm. And she's like, I'm having all these great discovery calls. I'm just, you know, I'm having trouble finding time. And we did two things. At first we said, okay, do you actually book these discovery calls in the timeframes that you can fill client spots? Right. Because yeah, yeah. if you're booking discovery calls on a Saturday afternoon and you don't take clients on the weekend, then why are you booking discovery calls on a Saturday afternoon? Like you've got to, yeah. and this also just like makes it so much easier when that person's a heck yes to your offer, then you can instantly just put them in that slot that they had the discovery calling because clearly they're free, right? Or they can make right. themselves free. So that was like step one. Then the more we work together, it's kept happening. And it was like, well, I I did all that you said. And I moved the spots to only the ones where I can take on clients. And I said, okay, well now you have a choice. You have such an influx of interest in your offer. You get to decide what is your next step because you can't scale a business this way, right? You've Mm -hmm. got to figure out what your next step is. And we decided 
she didn't even need the discovery calls after all of that, after rearranging, it was like, if I just did an application process and accepted a deposit, and if I had to add a discovery call onto it, I could, she was at the point in her business where she could just take applications Genius. and it changed everything. I mean, like her whole life just changed. She yeah, was like, that's this is so much better, change. so much easier. <laughs> so it's interesting to think about like, this is the way I've always done it does not yeah. justify continuing to do it. Right. And yeah, that creative perspective of just being able to look at it and ask, like, what would I do differently? Why am I doing this? What is the meaning behind it? Could I do this another way and finding yeah. a solution? Those are great questions. Yeah, that's a that's a huge difference. Getting rid of discovery calls and going with an application. That is Massive. a lot of freedom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So everyone's going to want to work with you now because you're so fun and vibrant Aww. and you're just a perfect example of what you offer. So tell us where we can find you on social, your website. If you have any freebies, let us know. Okay. So my website is lifeleapcoaching.com. I have a, a free stuff tab on my website. And then also I think in the show notes, we'll link to a five times more productive freebie. Yes. It's a PDF guide. It's five days. It's a super simple system. It's like hands down my client's favorite freebie I've ever done. So definitely check that out. Awesome. And you can follow me on Instagram at lifeleap underscore coaching. Awesome. Well, thank you awesome. so much for all You're these welcome. gems. This is so fun. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. Thanks, Justine. That wraps up this week's episode. If you loved what you heard here, please take a moment and leave an honest review. And if you want to quickly identify and solve for what's blocking your success, go watch my free training, Uncap Your Income. In under 30 minutes, you will get the exact action items you need to hit your next big goal. Click the link in the show notes or visit growthmindsetmarketers.com to watch right now.